It is good to see all of you. Do you have enough room this evening to stretch out a little bit? The holiday weekend always takes its toll. I think schools are out tomorrow, but it's good to see you here tonight. We do have one of the opportunities we have on Sunday night is to mention those in our church family who have special prayer needs and share those and pray for them. And so we want to do that this evening before we go any further. Hospitalized in our church family at Tift Regional, Susan Say, continuing to recover from uh, surgery. Robbie Griffin from back surgery. Angie Greason having surgery tomorrow. Uh, Chris Barber down at, in Orlando. They transferred him to, is there an MD Anderson in Orlando? So he's been moved to that uh, hospital and uh, starting a new regimen of treatment, but did not get a good report this week. So we really want to remember him. Uh, and at Emory Hansel Allen, we want to continue praying for him. We had a lot of church members hospitalized this past week, home recovering now. Virginia Griffin and Dottie Marchant and Charlie Jones and Doug Jones and Ronnie, Ronnie Sturdivant and Antonio Williford were all hospitalized this week but are home recovering, so we're grateful for that. And then I also heard a concern this morning I just want to share with you so we can be praying for them. A lot of you know Jimmy and Quay Allen. Their son Jamie's house burned down this morning. Um, I think they live out there in Adel near Jimmy and Quay, and um, Jamie and Lynn were in Atlanta um, making preparations for the, uh, the concert in April, um, the Road Less Travel concert, and, and uh, so our, our hearts go out to them. When you lose your home, it's not just a building, it's, it's memories, and it's... Uh, so many other personal things that are wrapped up in that, so I know there's sadness in that loss. Will you join with me as we uh, pray for these, particularly hospitalized, and give thanks for these who are recovering, and then remember Jamie and Lynn Allen. Shall we bow? Father, we believe in prayer because so often when we, when we pray, we see people get better. And then right beside them, we see folks for whom no one prayed, and they don't improve as quickly or or at all, and, and we know that prayer makes such a powerful difference in, in the heavenly realms and in the earthly realm. We lift up to you Susan Say and Robbie Griffin as they continue to recover from surgery, and Angie Greason as she prepares for surgery tomorrow. We pray also for Hansel Allen as he continues to recover uh, at Emory, and we just pray for his ongoing well-being for his health, for therapy, for rehab, whatever he needs, Lord, and just continue to bless and be with Janice as she waits by his bed and um, keeps that vigil. We pray especially for Chris Barber down in Orlando and Patricia. Father, we just pray that you will bless and be with him and uh, guide the doctors to treat him effectively uh, and the tumors that that are in, in, in his body. We rejoice that so many who've been hospitalized with surgery, with treatments, with procedures, are home recovering, and we pray their recovery would continue unabated. And we also pray tonight uh, for Jamie and Lynn Allen and, and the loss of a home and, and all the memories and the personal effects that are irreplaceable that will certainly cause just mountains of grief. Comfort them and surround them with family and friends and and we thank you that no one was harmed in that fire, but so much was still lost. Father, we pray for our service tonight, that you would open our hearts, that you would fill us, that you would speak to us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
In Hebrews 6, we read, Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. We have grace extended to us in so many ways. And we're going to sing about that now as we sing Grace Greater Than Our Sin. Will you please stand as we sing our offertory hymn? Marvelous grace of our loving Lord, grace that exceeds our sin and our guilt. Yonder on Calvary's mount outpoured, there where the blood of the Lamb was unfolded today, I, I just, I know you, you give and you take away. 
But God, we come to this portion of us service, Lord, just to give back to you just a small portion of what you deliver to us every day, and that's your promise to love us a hundredfold, God. I ask, Lord, that these uh, tithes and offerings just be used to further your kingdom and to enrich our glory. In your name we pray, amen.
Joyful sound, two of our favorites, I'll Fly Away and Sweet Beulah Land. The message this evening is Christ dwells in you, Ephesians 3, 14 through 20. And um, I tell you, if we can just grasp this one truth tonight, it'll be time well spent. The fact that Jesus Christ actually dwells in us. From Happy Club this morning, there was a little sticker left on one of the stairs, and I picked it up, and it says, I have Jesus in my heart. And that's the truth that we're trying to communicate. We start with preschoolers, and we're still trying to learn it as adults, that Jesus dwells in our hearts by faith. Ephesians 3, verses 14 through 20, say this. Paul is writing, for this reason... I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with might through his Spirit in the inner man, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with the fullness of God. But the focus is, verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. You know, I think if we realize that Jesus is dwelling in our hearts, it changes everything. It changes everything. Let's pray. Father, as we come this evening to ponder this momentous spiritual truth, we pray that anything that hinders Jesus from living in us would be removed and that he would have full sway, (coughs) full freedom to fill us and overflow through us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. The implications of what Paul is saying here is truly mind-boggling. I want you to let your imagination run free for a moment. What I'd like for you to do is imagine yourself as a house. Any kind of house will do just as long as it's yours and it's identified as yours. What kind of house would you like to represent you? Is it a castle? with big turrets and banners, or is it a a cabin tucked away in the woods in the mountains somewhere? Or maybe it's a beach house with rocking chairs on the porch and palm branches rustling quietly in the breeze. Whatever it is, get a clear picture in your mind of that house of your life that represents your personality, your soul, who you are. Now I want you to focus in on the front door. And picture somebody ringing the doorbell or clanging the knocker or rapping with their knuckles on the front door. And someone comes to the the door of the house. Whom would they find living inside of you? Who dwells in you? I don't know about you, but I've met some folks who gave me the distinct impression 
that if I went inside their lives, I wouldn't find anybody home. And yet the fact is that we're probably more like the guy in in Mark chapter 5 who Jesus asked what his name was and he replied, my name is Legion for we are many. He had a lot of people dwelling in him, didn't he? I think in a way a lot of us are like that. We have a lot of folks living in us. Um, I think I have my mom's emotional makeup dwelling in me and my father's psychological bent. And as I watch Catherine grow and develop, I see Susan and me in her as well, for good and bad. One of us for good and one of us for bad. (laughs) But there are probably others living in there too. So who is it that dwells in you? And if I can ask that question on a human level, maybe we can begin to hear what Paul is trying to describe in this passage to the Ephesians. When he prays, he prays for them. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. Paul is praying for them that Christ may dwell in their hearts by faith. One one translation says that Christ may take up his settled residence in you. So it's not just a visitor who's coming in to stay for a few days, but it's someone who's come in and unpacked the boxes and bags and is staying for a long, long time. And this is something we need to be very clear about when it comes to our faith, because the Christian faith is more than just a set of creeds or doctrines that we say we believe in. It's more than principles or moral values around, the, around which we shape our actions. It's more than a call to community with a family of like-minded faith. It's more than just a compassionate response to people in need. The Christian faith is more than a challenge to create a social order where the kingdom of God comes down and Jesus' vision is realized. The Christian faith is more than just a religion. The Christian life is part of all these things, but above and beyond and through all of that, the central reality of the Christian faith, don't miss this, is a relationship with God in which the spirit of the living Christ comes and dwells in each of us. A relationship with the living God in which the spirit of of the living God comes and dwells in each of us. The central claim of the Christian faith is that the same love, the same compassion, the same life, the same power of God that dwelled, that was alive in Jesus, can be alive in you and me as well. As a matter of fact, uh, Jesus even said, you can do greater things than he did. Paul prays that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith, that Christ may take up a settled residence in the houses of our lives. When I got to think about, thinking about Christ dwelling in our hearts through faith, it reminded me of John 1.14, where John is writing about the Word, and he says, the Word became flesh, and what? Dwelled among us. And now here it is that the Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. It's not the same Greek word for dwell, but I think the same idea is there. Not only did the word become flesh and dwell among us, but here we learn that the word becomes spirit and dwells in our hearts. He takes up residence just as Jesus did when he came and lived on 
the face of the earth. Paul helps us see what this looks like when he says, first of all, in verse 16, let's break it down a little bit, that he may grant you to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. The Phillips translation says, the strength of the spirit's inner reinforcement. The strength, I love that, the strength of the spirit's inner reinforcement. In other words, There is an interior structure that the Spirit has built within us that reinforces us and gives us strength. Not everybody can see that from the outside, but when the Spirit comes and dwells in us, He puts reinforcing beams, rebar, in us to strengthen us, to help us survive in this world. I'm not a structural engineer. I know that probably comes as a shock. But I'm aware of this trend in buildings today where the structural stress is kept hidden from public view. One church I'm aware of was built on what they called a monolithic slab, which means the full weight of the building rests on four pillars which carry the weight of all the structural stress down into that concrete slab where hundreds of feet of reinforcing bars Hold the whole thing together. I think a lot of uh, skyscrapers in Manhattan are built like that too. Um, Deep, deep concrete structural holding the, the whole building together. You can't see it, but you know it's there because the building's standing. And it's that inner reinforcement that holds the buildings together during storms. And that's what Paul is praying for you and me. That we will know the kind of inner Structural reinforcement, the strength of the Spirit that can hold our lives together in the face of a storm. That you may be strengthened with might through His Spirit in the inner man, okay? On the inside, we are, we are structurally strengthened. But then Paul goes on to say in verse 17 that you being rooted and grounded in love. Hear that? We are rooted and grounded in love. He goes on to, to say, to pray that, that we might comprehend with all the saints, with all the Christians, the length and the depth and the height and the breadth of the love of God, a love which goes so far beyond all human comprehension that you and I can't even fathom it. As far as our minds can expand, God's love is there, and then some. It just keeps going. And to say that Christ dwells in us is to say that we have discovered in our own hearts and lives the same love that we saw lived out in the words and the life and the actions of Jesus Christ. As I get older, there's some things that that used to be simple that are getting more complicated. Uh, I remember thinking before having children how easy it must be to raise a child. But the more, you know, the longer that child, the longer you have children, the realize how complicated it can be. But I also realized with the gospel that some things I used to think were complicated are really pretty simple. Here's one. And I talked about this this morning, and I didn't say this because I was leading up to tonight. If you were to ask me to pick out in a crowd... Who were the Christians? How could we determine which folks among a crowd 
truly belong to Jesus Christ. I wouldn't start with doctrine or theology. I wouldn't begin with how well they know the Bible. I wouldn't check out their position on certain social issues. I wouldn't even ask how often they go to church. I wouldn't begin with whether or not they tithe, although I'd certainly like to learn all that sooner or later. If you were to ask me how to pick out a Christian from a group, I'd start with one simple quality, and that quality is love. Christian people are people in whom God's love revealed to us in Jesus Christ have that process of becoming a living, breathing, growing, functioning reality. They are the folks that are learning how to love the way Jesus did, and they're working at it daily. It's not something that just comes up on Sunday, but a Christian is one in whom the Spirit of Christ dwells, and when he dwells, love is realized. And we miss that. But that's exactly what Jesus said in the, in the, the Last Supper in the upper room. He was preparing to leave his disciples, and he said, By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, what? If you have love for one another. That's how you know if somebody's a disciple of Jesus Christ. If they have love for one another, that's what Jesus said. And at the same time, he gave us a new commandment. He said that we are to love one another as I have loved you. That's what Jesus said. And Paul says to the Corinthians, if I speak with the tongues of men and angels but have not love, I'm just a noisy gong or clanging cymbal. I'm just making noise if I say all these things but I don't really love. The love of Christ met a crooked little swindler named Zacchaeus and said, come down. I'm going to your house today. He met a woman caught in adultery and said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. He heard the cry of a dying criminal on a cross beside him and said, today you'll be with me in paradise. And here he prays for us and says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. That's love, my friends. The only one unquestionable sign of the life of Christ within us is his love. Shaping our values, determining our future, directing our decisions, filling our relationships. So no wonder Paul says that Christ will dwell in our hearts by faith as we are rooted and grounded in love. If we are rooted and grounded in love, the Spirit of Christ has reign in our hearts and lives. As we begin to comprehend the length and the depth and the breadth and the height of the love of God which goes beyond all human comprehension. And then Paul says if we do that we will be filled with the fullness of God. In verse 19. To know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Someone asked me, what what does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Is it something that just happens once? Is it something that happens continually? And, And for me, it's a process. If you're filled with the Holy Spirit, He comes in and He comes in to stay. But I also know that when I have the Holy Spirit in me, sometimes I leak. 
Paul talks about filling with the Holy Spirit. It's not a one-time momentary experience. He's not, some, he's not talking about something that you get and then have the rest of your lives. It comes from a relationship. That's what it's all about. A relationship with God in which the love of Christ is so real, so alive, so much a part of you, that it influences your actions and shapes your decisions and touches every relationship that you have. And as I said, that kind of relationship, that kind of fullness, I guess it's kind of like a balloon. Sometimes I leak. Some days my life has more of the fullness of of Christ than others, depending on what I've done that morning and, and what I've been through in the course of the day. But the important thing is, I know where and how to be filled. Amen? I know how to be filled by God through Jesus Christ with the Holy Spirit working in me by spending time in His Word, by praying, by letting Him get a hold of me. He fills me. And the love of Christ can dwell in me and be alive in me. Paul says that the Christ can dwell in our hearts by faith and that we'll know the strength of the Spirit's reinforcement, that we'll be rooted and grounded in love and that we will comprehend with all the saints the surpassing knowledge of the love of God and we'll be filled with the fullness of God. So I guess the question I want to ask you this evening is someone comes and knocks at the door of your life, who will answer? And what will they say? I was a youth minister for a couple years in Stone Mountain, Georgia, and had a young guy named Mark, and we had just gotten back from a retreat. In the closing session, I kind of asked him to, to summarize what they, what they learned and what they picked up and what they're going to take with them. And Mark said, I have learned that Christ really can live in me. He really can live in me. Friends, if we can capture that truth and realize that God can dwell in us through the Holy Spirit, it will change everything. I hope Jesus is in your heart and that he has control And that you know, being rooted and grounded in love, what is the fullness of God that surpasses human comprehension, you'll be filled with the fullness of God daily. Shall we pray? Father, we want... We need Jesus in our lives. Not just a cup full. Not just a bucket full. But we want it all to wash over us. And fill us. So much so that that He's sloshing around. And and when we we come into contact with someone, it'll slosh out of us onto them. (laughs) And they'll be washed by the blood of the Lamb. And And they'll know that we have been with you because they'll see your reflection in us and they'll hear 
your words through us and they'll see your actions in us. But Father, if we stray from you, you don't leave our hearts. But we can shove you over to the side. We can push you over into a corner, maybe into the basement of our house. But we don't want you there. We want you front and center. We want you filling every room. So when someone comes and knocks at the door, you'll be the first one to answer. Maybe it's fear that knocks. And when you answer, it disappears. Maybe it's Satan's temptation that knocks. When you answer, it flees. Maybe it's a hurting friend that knocks. And when you answer, they'll find comfort and encouragement. Maybe it's even someone who doesn't know you who knocks. And when you answer, they'll find the gospel. Father, fill us and speak through us as we give you full power in our hearts and lives tonight, tomorrow, Tuesday and Wednesday, and every day, forever. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All that thrills my soul is Jesus. It's because his love is dwelling in us. And when his love dwells in us, it's thrilling. If you know that love, you can sing it with joy. 429 is our invitational hymn. If you don't know it, please.